Amen. Yes, I am reminded this morning that whether you're viewing us live stream this morning or whether you're here in person, you and I are here by divine appointment. No one is here by accident. There's a reason why God has led each of us here today. And hopefully through our time in God's house, through our worship and through our time in the word, we will allow God to do what God wants to do and what God needs to do in each of our lives today. We are in the Gospel of Luke once again, looking at the story of Jesus. And we're going to be in the passage of Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 38. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21 verses 25 through 38. Let's remember context here. This is the last week, even the last few days of Jesus' life before he goes to the cross. So it's not like the things that he's ever said is not significant. They always are, but Last words are lasting words. And these are some of the last words that Jesus shares with his followers before he dies on that cross. And so they carry a great weight. And all of us hopefully are going to be tuned in today to the voice of our God. Asking him to impart faith and to strengthen faith in us as we hear him speaking to us today. Before we get to the specific exhortations that Jesus has for his followers here in this passage of Scripture, and it really deals with the, the climate of the world before he returns, that I want us to note some things out of verses 37 and 38. I want to sort of begin at the end of the passage. I want us to note some things in those two verses. First of all, you'll notice that in verse 37, it says, every day Jesus did something. It is a reminder to us that Jesus had a rhythm to the way he lived life. There were certain things he did every day. There were certain priorities. There were certain values by which Jesus lived by. And you and I are to live the same way. We are to have a rhythm to the way we live life, and we are to prioritize certain things in our life. I want you to note three of those things in Jesus' life that we see here in verse 37. First, it says, every day he was teaching. Priority number one, and we've talked about this before through our study of the Gospel of Luke, the Word of God. The word of God was very important to Jesus. And Jesus spent every day teaching the word of God, sharing the word of God. Second priority in verse 37, where was Jesus teaching? In the temple courts. Second priority to Jesus, the house of God. We've talked about this. The word of God and the house of God. Great priorities of great value to Jesus Christ. Something he did every day. And then it says, at night, 
Every evening, he would go up to the Mount of Olives, and he would stay there. And what was he doing every night on the Mount of Olives? He was praying to his father. He was communing with his father. We know that from other passages. So the third priority would be the presence of God. He was always spending time in the presence of his father, away from everyone else. The word of God, the house of God, the presence of God. And then notice the response of the people, verse 38. It says, every day the people would come to him early in the morning, listening to him as he taught in the temple courts. We need to ask ourselves, based upon the response of these folks, are we coming to Jesus? Are we coming to Jesus? Jesus was always inviting people to come to him. Matthew 11, one of the more famous times where Jesus invited, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We'll talk more about that throughout this passage of Scripture. Are we coming to Jesus? And then notice it says, as they were coming to him early in the morning, what were they doing? Listening to him. Are we listening to Jesus? Are we dialed into his voice above all other voices? As Jesus says, it's recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. Coming to him, listening to him. Why is it important that we listen to him? Well, look at what our Lord and Savior says in verse 33 of this passage. He says, heaven and earth will pass away one day. And we know that is true. Peter records for us that there is coming a day where God is literally going to dissolve the present heavens and earth. And he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth that we're going to be able to live in and enjoy and serve him in and worship him in throughout all of eternity. So the present heavens and earth as we know it are not permanent, never has been part of God's plan that the present heavens and earth are permanent. And yet Jesus says, though heaven and earth will pass away, my words will never pass away. Jesus' words are more firm, more sure than creation itself. More stable, more certain, more sure, more reliable, more dependable is the word of Jesus Christ than even of creation itself. That's why we need to listen to him. Because his word absolutely needs to be the foundation of our lives. Every one of us has a choice of how we respond to Jesus and to his word. As he says, if you hear my words and you heed my words, then you can build your life on a solid rock so that when the storms come, and they will come, your house, your life will stand. 
It will be stable. It will be sure. But if you choose not to listen to my words, when the storms come, your house will be shaken because you are building your life on sand that shifts and changes, not something that is rock solid. So every one of us here in this room today, where are we when it comes to responding to the word of Jesus and to what we really believe about the words of Jesus? Do we really believe that they are literally what we place our life on? More than anything else, it is the words of Jesus Christ. So with that context, let's go up to verse 25 and begin to see what Jesus himself says about the times that are to come on the earth, times that I believe we are beginning to see even these signs in our day and age. It doesn't mean that his return is going to happen right away, but it certainly also doesn't mean that it couldn't happen today as well. He says, first of all, there are going to be signs in creation, in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. In other words, there's going to be cosmic signs that if people are paying attention, they're going to know that something is happening. And we know this to be true from the word of God. Paul tells us in the book of Romans chapter 8 that creation is under the curse of sin as well. And that creation is groaning and suffering to be released from the curse. So when you and I live in a day and an age where people are talking about the weather changes and the dramatic shifts and fluctuations, the Bible has talked about that from the beginning. That there's going to be these signs and these things that happen in, in our skies and on the earth and in our weather and in our weather patterns and all that. This is part of what the Bible has always said. But Jesus is saying even more than that. He's saying there's also going to be on earth, as he talked about last week in the passage, this global instability. Nations rising in arms against nations and kingdom against kingdom. And there's going to be this global instability as far as financial institutions go and things like that. And we've seen that, you know. Even this year earlier, you know, we saw banks that were closing. Jesus is saying, and because of all the changes that are happening around us in in our physical world and, and even on earth in our institutions, he says, notice, nations, verse 25, will be in distress. People of those nations will be in distress. They will be troubled. They will be perplexed by what they are seeing around them. There will be a lot of anxiety. He goes on to say, not only will nations be in distress, but they're going to be troubled and anxious and perplexed about the the expectation 
of what is coming on the earth. That, that, that people have this sense that something is up and that something is coming and that many people on the earth have this sort of sense of dread as they live their lives on earth today. That's why then notice in verse 26, he says, people will literally be fainting from fear. They will be in despair. They will not know what to turn to or who to turn to. Because literally the powers of heaven, Jesus says, will be shaken during this time. Now, he hasn't said anything to us yet, but it's coming. But he's building it, right? He's saying, like he did last week, this is the world you're going to be living in. A world where many people around you are going to be filled with anxiety and worry. They're going to be perplexed. They're going to be troubled. They're going to be looking at what's happening in, in the cosmos and in the physical world. They're going to be looking at what's happening on earth with all of the nations and even things that's happening in our own country. They're not going to know who or what to turn to. And then he says, and then the Son of Man is going to come in a cloud with power and great glory. You see, the first time Jesus came, he came to lay down his life as the Lamb of God for the sin of the world. But the second time he comes, he comes in power and great glory. And then we get to verse 28. The first exhortation that Jesus gives to his own people of how we are to be navigating the time in which we're living. Because notice what he says in verse 28. For those that are alive at any time that are his people, he says, even when you begin to see these things happening. So we're not even talking about the culmination when Jesus would actually come back because we know, first of all, if you are alive and you are a Christian, that you're going to be raptured out of here. But Jesus is still saying the principle still holds true. That I want my people to stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. What's Jesus saying? He's saying when the rest of the world is cowering and shrinking back in fear. I want my people to be standing up, living in the hope and the confident expectation of my return. I want them to know that though these signs that people are seeing that's causing troubling and, and, and perplexed and, and fear and anxiety and worry in the world because they don't know who or what to turn to, that my people, because they're trusting in me and my word, they can live in confident expectation. They can live in the hope of my return every day, no matter what is happening, realizing that the best is always yet to come for the Christian. Always. See, that's what we get to look forward to. As things get worse and worse and worse on earth, we always know in the back of our minds and in our hearts that the best is yet to come for us. Because this isn't all there is. 
Are we living in that hope every day? Because it doesn't matter when we're alive as his people. He wants his people to stand up and raise their heads knowing that our redemption is drawing near. What's he mean by our redemption is drawing near? It means that, that we get to look forward to the release of this world and to finally not having, you know, the enemies and the opposition and the challenges and all of that that's associated with this world, that one day we're going to be, as God's people, truly vindicated. And we get to lay aside this finite, fragile, you know, body that holds us back as well. And, and we get to go in to, to the fullness of our salvation when we see Jesus one day and we live with him in glory in heaven. That's what he means by our redemption's drawing near. The best is yet to come. Are we living in that hope? Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.1, Christ Jesus is our hope. With Christ, we have all the hope we need. Without Christ, we have no hope at all. We cannot approach life every day with confident expectation of anything. In Romans 8.24, Paul says we were saved in hope. That's part and parcel of our salvation is the hope that God wants to bring into our lives. And then Paul says to Titus in Titus 2.13, as we wait for the happy fulfillment of our hope, the coming of our glorious God and Savior, Jesus Christ from heaven. We're just waiting, knowing that it's coming one day and God wants us to live in light of that and in hope of that every day. Do you have that hope? Are you living in that hope and with that hope every day so that again, as the world keeps freaking out and getting more frightened and more fearful and more troubled and more perplexed and they don't know who to turn to or what to turn to when they experience everything that they're experiencing on the earth, that we live in confident expectation and therefore we can stand up instead of shrinking back and raise our heads. That's the first. In fact, I don't know, speaking of a lack of that, I don't know how many of you saw the latest interview that the former governor of California gave that was recorded last week. Very famous actor. I think you know who I'm talking about. He actually admitted he grew up in the Catholic Church. But in his latest interview, he said that heaven is a myth and that anyone who believes in heaven is just following a lie. There is no heaven. He said, when I die, they're just going to put me into the ground and that's the end of me. I thought, oh, I feel so sorry for that man. That man has experienced so much and in some ways I respect what he's done with his life. But here's a man who, again, had, has everything that the world would say shows success and all of that, 
And yet he has no hope of eternity or no hope of heaven. Jesus is saying, I want you to live in that hope and with that hope every day so that you don't allow what's happening on the earth to bring you to a place like those that don't believe in me have, where they live in despair every day because they either think that this is as good as it gets and that they have nothing to look forward to past this life. That's a hopeless place to be. And many, many in this world today are there. And that's why you and I need to live differently. We need to show them that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And that the best is yet to come and that this life isn't all there is. And we need to take our opportunities to share that hope with others when God gives us those opportunities. Because truly, I feel sorry for these people. I pity them because every day their minds are tortured because of the hopelessness and despair that they live in and live with every day. God doesn't want us to live in that place. Then if you'll come down to verse 34. The next exhortation Jesus says to his people, no matter when they are alive, is be on guard. It means to be very self-aware, to be sort of fully awake and, and very attentive. And what does Jesus say we need to be on guard about? Our heart. He says, be on guard that your heart is not weighed down. Oh, how timely is that? How many people today are living with hearts that are weighed down and burdened under a load and that they're carrying that load? And it's breaking them down physically, emotionally, and spiritually. They're being crushed under a load that God never intended for any of us as human beings to carry. And that's what Jesus says. You and I, even, as his people, need to make sure that our hearts aren't being weighed down that we are not only living in the hope of his return, but that we are resting our hearts completely in him. Because then notice what Jesus goes on to say. He says, be on guard that your hearts aren't weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. That's just a general description of what we would call today unhealthy coping mechanisms. Jesus is saying, look, because things are so bad on the earth, because people are filled with fear and worry and anxiety and they're troubled and they're perplexed and they're in despair and they don't know who or what to turn to, guess what they're going to start turning to? Unhealthy and destructive coping mechanisms. Drugs, alcohol, sex, you, you name it. People are trying to fill their lives and find things to be able to take the pressure off to somehow navigate life and its circumstances. And so they turn to these unhealthy, destructive coping mechanisms which only 
can I say, adds to the weight. Because the weight of the situation never changes, and then you bring some unhealthy coping mechanism into your life that only then burdens your heart even more because now you've got to not only manage the circumstances that's causing you trouble, but now you've got to manage this unhealthy coping mechanism that actually adds weight to your life. It doesn't take the weight away. So Jesus is saying even to his own people, be careful. Guard your hearts from being weighed down not only by unhealthy coping mechanisms, but then notice what he goes on to say, and by the worries or cares of this life. Oh, oh, Christians, we need to heed that. Because so many Christians today have allowed the cares of life to weigh them down. Instead of learning to rest our hearts in Jesus, on Jesus, and on his word that will never pass away, we're taking the cares of life on ourselves. What does the Bible tell us? Psalm 55, 22. Throw your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the godly to be upended. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. How about the verses out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're many times not heeding the word of God, even as God's people, because we are not resting our hearts in him. We are taking the worries and cares of life on ourselves, and it is literally breaking us down spiritually, emotionally, and physically instead of what the Bible tells us to do. Throw our burdens on the Lord. Cast our cares upon him. His shoulders are equipped and big enough to carry our cares if we trust him. Our shoulders are not big enough or equipped to carry the loads. Jesus says in verse 34 and then on into 35, he says, look, it's very possible that the days that I'm talking about are going to close down upon many or literally close in on many. And then notice, he doesn't mince any words in verse 35. He says, this day, meaning this, this season, will literally overtake and overwhelm every person on the earth. He's saying, that's why I need you to stand up and raise your heads, living in the hope of my return every day, and to guard your heart from being weighed down. Because there's going to be a lot, Jesus says, on earth that could very easily weigh you down and burden your heart. I need you to give those things to me so that your heart remains unburdened. 
And then one final exhortation in the passage, verse 36. Stay alert at all times. Exercise continual vigilance. By doing what? By praying. I knew Dave would like this part. (laughs) Praying, though, specifically for something. Praying that you and I have the strength to escape all that must happen on the earth and to stand, Jesus says, before the Son of Man. There's a lot to unpack in this verse, so let's take it little by little. Jesus is saying, I need my people to be vigilant. I need them to be alert at all times on their toes about making sure that they are living in dependence upon me. That they're not living independently of me, they're living dependently upon me. How do we express that dependence? By praying. And the word praying here is a very specific word that Jesus is using here. It speaks about knowing how much of a need I have for something and therefore I ask God for it. So Jesus is saying, you realize in the days in which you live, you're, you're going to need my strength. If you start living in your own strength, it's not going to go well. You're going to need my supernatural strength. But we know something, right? We know Philippians 4.13 that if we choose to live in the strength of Jesus, we can do what? All things. So Jesus saying, are you truly living in and with my strength every day? Are you trying to navigate the difficult days in which you're living in your own power and strength? Are you asking me for the strength that you need? Are you maintaining that continual vigilance that you can't go one day, one hour, one minute in your own strength and that you need my strength and that you're asking me for it continually? Because if you ask me for my strength, first of all, I'll give it to you. And you will have the power to prevail. You will have the power to overcome whatever you and your life has to face until I come back and get you. And this is exactly what Jesus says in the book of Revelation. Over and over again when he's talking to the seven churches, he says, and to those of you who overcome, every last message, to those of you who overcome, to those of you who overcome, to those of you who have the power to prevail, to those of you who are my people, who are living in my strength rather than living in your own strength. You'll prevail. 
You'll be more than conquerors. You will overcome. You won't allow the days in which you live to get the best of you. You will rise to the challenges and you will rise above the challenges because you understand the need that you have for my strength, my supernatural strength that can enable you to do all things and navigate all things. And you will continually be in prayer asking me for my strength every day so that you can escape all the things that must come to the earth. And then notice this last phrase. Because it, it is a reminder to us that Jesus is saying every human being has an appointment to stand before him, the Son of Man. You ever think about that? That every one of us in this room and all of you who are watching this morning we have a face-to-face -face appointment with Jesus coming one day. Every last one of us is going to literally stand before Jesus one day. You ready for that appointment? Are you where you want to be? If that would be today. See, that's why Jesus is sharing these words with his followers even 2,000 years ago. He says, you can be ready. If you live in the hope of my return every day, if you rest your heart in me, if you live in continual dependence upon me, you'll be ready to meet me face to face. And John has a very interesting verse in 1 John that talks about this face-to-face -face meeting. John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, basically tells us there's going to be two types of Christians when they stand face-to-face -face with Jesus. Only two. Those that are confident, not perfect, because none of us are perfect, but those that are confident in where they are in their relationship with Christ and those who are cringing. Listen to the words of John in 1 John 2, 28. John says, And now, little children, abide in him, remain in him, stay close to him, so that you may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame when he comes back. Whoa. John says, there's going to be two types of Christians that meet Jesus face to face that day. Those who can stand before him in confidence and those who will literally shrink back from him ashamed of the way they have lived their lives. Jesus saying, it's our choice. And because we hear these words today, I believe God in his mercy and grace is saying, I'm giving you time to get your house in order and to align your life more with me. Because if you're not remaining in me, if you're not staying close to me, if you're not abiding in me, if you're, if you're following me but at a distance, it's not going to go well for you. 
First of all, the world is going to get the better of you. You're going to get caught up in the fear and the anxiety of the world and all those around you. And you're not going to live in the hope of my return every day. And then you may start to do what the world does. You may start to choose unhealthy, destructive coping mechanisms and allow the worries and cares of life to get the better of you instead of resting your heart in me. And then he says, some of you aren't going to live in dependence upon me as you should. And you're going to start taking life on yourself and trying to do it in your own power and in your own strength rather than living in my strength every day. And he says, it's, it's not going to go well. It could be so much better if you just lock yourself into me and walk lockstep with me every single day. Because it is only through Christ alone that we will be able to stand up and raise our heads when the rest of the world is shrinking back in fear. I think it's time that we stand and raise our heads, folks, because our redemption, our release from our enemies and from this world, it's drawing near. Are you ready to meet Jesus face to face? I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And I'm going to ask us to stand up and raise our heads. I want to invite you this morning to live in the light and hope of eternity. And if you're here today or you're watching us from your home today, and you have chosen at some point some coping mechanism to deal with the things of life other than the Lord Jesus, it's okay. God's a God of second chances. But you can lay that coping mechanism aside today and you can choose Jesus. You can choose to rest your heart in him today rather than that, whatever it is. Maybe the worries and cares of this life have gotten the better of you recently. Then choose today to rest your heart in him. And if you're here today still struggling with trying to do things in your own power and strength, pray that you may have the strength from him to escape all these things that must take place on the earth and to one day stand before the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the words of our Lord Jesus, words that are more firm 
more sure, more certain than creation itself. Jesus, you yourself have said out of your own mouth, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall never pass away. God, may we be building our life upon you and upon your word. You've told us things are going to get crazy. There's going to be things in the cosmos and in creation, things in our weather, things in the nations and kingdoms of this world that could literally unsettle us if we weren't grounded in you. But God, we can choose to be grounded and rooted in you. And may today be a day, Lord, where we maintain our foundation in you or whether we choose you once again for the foundation of our life. Because, Lord, we know that it's only in you that we have the sufficiency and the strength to deal with what is happening all around us each and every day. May we rest our hearts in you today, Lord, like never before, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.